Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, June 12th, 2023, the 873rd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple of days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So we had such a big weekend of reactions to the first federal prosecution of a United States president. I mean, former president. Yes, it's true. Donald Trump has been indicted by special counsel Jack Smith for essentially taking too long to allow the government to come and confiscate his personal property. He was the primary authority on declassification. He says the documents are declassified. He is able to name which documents are his personal records, and he is able to take them with him. They are his personal property. And because the Presidential Records Act allows all that, and people started finding out about that over the past couple of months, they had to move away from the Presidential Records Act. 
move away from claiming that Donald Trump was a very, very bad boy for taking classified documents along with him. And they are now claiming that it was all espionage. It's under the Espionage Act because he was going to give away military secrets, national defense, security information. He was going to give it away to somebody, or at least he could have maybe given it away at some point. But regardless, he talked about how he had it and he actually bragged about it. He used to stand around Bedminster and Mar-a-Lago with all the thousands of guests there holding up highly classified material, nuclear documents, continuity of government documents, and just waving them around in front of all his thousands of guests saying, did you know that I was president before? Look at this important information I have. According to the indictment, he even told a reporter with other people in the room, I know something you don't know. He said it. He said it. And for that, he has to go to prison forever or at least, you know, drop out of the presidential race. In fact, Rachel Maddow, in reacting to this first ever federal indictment of a former president, suggested that maybe They would be willing to drop the indictment if Trump dropped out of the presidential race. If he promised to never, ever be president ever again, maybe they would consider dropping these very serious national security charges. You have to wonder if the Justice Department is considering whether there is some political solution to this criminal problem, whether part of the issue here is not just that Trump has committed crimes, but that Trump has committed crimes and plans on being back in the White House. Do they consider as part of a potential plea offer something that would prescribe him, proscribe him from 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 running for office again? I don't know. I I would imagine if anything like that happened, that it would have to come from the defense side of the negotiation that the mm. that the trump team would would say oh by the way and with this we will also you know drop out of the uh, the race for president uh, otherwise it would put the justice department in this position that donald trump claims they're in you know, he claims they're trying to stop him simply trying to stop him from becoming president again and that's the only reason uh, they're doing this so my guess, given those dynamics and the change, I think, in the way uh, the Justice Department sees this in those 50 years since Spiro Agnew, uh, it just seems unlikely that they would reach into the political zone uh, of the solution. Our politics does have to find a solution to this, but it might have to find that solution separate and apart from the criminal process. So that's the brightest person on the left, Rachel Maddow, basically giving the game away and saying, yeah, the entire point of this is to make sure that Trump can't run and Trump can't be president again. It's really odd that they're so scared of him being president again, even though he's so unpopular, according to them. I mean, he's done so many things wrong. Ron DeSantis is very powerful. Joe Biden has done a great job. There's just no way that Trump's fringe, those 40% of people out there supporting him, are going to win Trump an election. So why are they so scared? Why 
Is Rachel Maddow so scared? You got to love how Lawrence O'Donnell jumps in there and tries to save her and tries to pull her back from the edge. And by the end of it, he's basically all the way to the edge himself, too. Yeah, we might have to find a solution for this outside of the criminal process. But wait a second. Are you saying that this isn't an open and shut case? They don't have Trump dead to rights. I mean, isn't Jack Smith the best prosecutor of all time? And isn't the Justice Department under Joe Biden through Merrick Garland totally committed to upholding the equal application of the law under the United States Constitution? I thought all of the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed and that Donald Trump was screwed. Why are they so worried that he's going to be president again? And not to take too long a tangent here, but Jack Posobiec earlier this morning posted a picture of Antony Blinken sitting down in Saudi Arabia with Mohammed bin Salman. And behind the two of them, behind bin Salman, stands a Saudi flag just resting on a flagpole. Behind Blinken, there is absolutely nothing. There is no American flag there. And you got to wonder at some point, I mean, I've been saying it for two and a half years now, but it doesn't exist in normiedom. It's just a crazy conspiracy theory there. But at some point, you got to consider whether this fake Biden administration really is as illegitimate as people like me say it is and as fake as people like me say it is. They don't have an American flag behind the real, very real Secretary of State of the United States of America on an official foreign visit with an official foreign leader, Mohammed bin Salman, in Saudi Arabia. Why? Because Mohammed bin Salman does not consider the illegitimate Biden administration the representatives of America and worthy of the respect that a normal American presidential administration would receive. Now, people have theorized that the picture itself was not legitimate, that the picture had been edited, the American flag taken out to make Antony Blinken and Joe Biden look illegitimate. But Blinken posted a picture from that meeting on his own account where there is no American flag behind him. You might remember when Joe Biden visited Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman greeted him with a fist bump. No rolling out the red carpet for Joe Biden. It's not like he's Xi Jinping or something, an actual leader of a powerful nation. He's just Joe Biden, an old, demented, degenerate, pervert and political criminal who didn't win an election. There is no way in the world that Mohammed bin Salman believes Joe Biden received 81 million real legal American votes. So Rachel Maddow pretends that maybe there's a chance Trump will agree to drop out and that will be good enough. Yes, he compromised national security in such extreme ways that he has to be prosecuted no matter what. The walls have finally closed in. We've got Trump this time, but also if he simply agrees not to continue campaigning for president, then we can just let that go. It's not that big a deal. I mean, all told, the greater compromise to national security is definitely allowing Donald Trump to campaign. That is what Rachel Maddow actually thinks. I mean, that is what she's saying. That's implicit in her statement. But also consider 
That's what she really thinks. Donald Trump campaigning and being president again is the greatest possible threat to the regime as it exists in America. And that regime as it exists in America is the regime that Rachel Maddow serves, not only because of her political ideology, but because that is where all of the treats come. That's where the incentives are. She has supported this thing for a long time, and she has gotten very wealthy and very popular and very powerful for having supported it in the way she supported it. If that all goes away, then what is Rachel Maddow but a common propagandist and communist criminal? Whoops. It not only tells you about Rachel Maddow and where her priorities are, it tells you about the substance of the Trump case. There's nothing there. These people know there's nothing there. It's being used to remove Trump from the process because that's the ultimate goal. They don't even believe it's going to work. So now they're just suggesting, hoping that Trump will leave. Just do it of his own accord. Lawrence O'Donnell even says, oh, well, that would have to be the defense proposing it. The prosecutors can't just go out and say, hey, Donald Trump, how about if you end your campaign, we'll end our prosecution? Does that sound like a good deal? Well, if that happened, Trump would tell the world about it and they would be absolutely screwed. So O'Donnell's like, well, hey, Rachel, this stuff, you know, if this stuff is going to happen the way you say that it might happen, well, oh, that's got to all be done in the background or whoa, that could really be some trouble if people found out that they were just trying to bribe Trump with this prosecution, bribe him into leaving the race with this prosecution, just abusing the Justice Department and special counsel. Ooh, that would be bad. But of course, that is what they're trying to do. And everybody knows it. And Rachel Maddow, for very real, very tangible reasons, fears a Donald Trump presidency. She knows that this prosecution is not going to stop a damn thing. She really is giving the whole game away. And we've actually gotten other offers as well. MSNBC seems to be going through the bargaining stage of their grief. Hey guys, can't you just make it different? Because you see, we were told that this was going to work. It's now clear that this isn't going to work. So that's really bad for us. Maybe there's like some way that we can maybe compromise on this one thing so that you will allow this to work for us. And of course, the answer is no. No, we're not going to do that. Go ahead. Bring your prosecution. No one's going to believe it. You've already lost this narrative within three days. You have lost the narrative about the first president in American history being federally prosecuted. This is twice now in the last two months that prosecutions have been brought, indictments have been brought against a former president of the United States of America, and both of them disappeared in days. It's because no one takes them seriously. But that's not going to be good enough for the communists. They're very scared. They all believed that all of this was going to go away in November of 2020. That's what they were told. Get the adults back in the room. Let's choose Joe Biden and have a return to decency. We will get rid of Donald Trump. The whole thing will go away. We can all go back to normal. Joe Biden is going to cure COVID. We will never have anything like this again. We will embrace, in fact, our new normal. But at least it allows 
Biden's voters, the regime supporters, all the elite wannabes out there to return to their life of focusing only on themselves the whole time. The re we have witnessed for years straight now is a result of them continuously realizing that no, it didn't get better yet. Naturally, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski this morning on Morning Joe went absolutely bonkers. The mainstream media, of course, is reporting all of this as like Joe Scarborough slams Donald Trump. And yes, for the child brains, I'm sure that they are hearing it that way, which is perfect. Push them further and further into their derangement so that they show the world exactly who they are. And eventually everyone will see, oh, yeah, you were wrong again. That's how the process works. And we should let the process play out. If people are going to get rich off destroying the country, if people are going to allow the lives of their fellow citizens, their friends and family to be destroyed over the last three years, then I welcome those people to embrace their derangement in full and we can just see how it goes. Believe what you like, Kami. Have it your way, Kami. Write all of the rules, set all of the precedent, paint the lines on the field. Let's just play, Kami. Have it your way. Let's just play. We're all good with that. We're fine with that. In fact, I can't wait for that. But it's not here yet. So Mika Brzezinski instead is making all Trump supporters an offer that we can't help but laugh at. Literally toilet. next was to a toilet. Was he going to flush them down the next toilet? To a like, toilet. were they moved in there? I, I don't know. But and yet, let's... and yet, over these last few days, most Republicans, yeah, rallying around him. Not all, but most, By including the way, those who want to beat him for the nomination. Right. This year. is their chance. This is their chance this, to finally well, get away from this unbelievably undemocratic person. Well, someone who, they? Why, they? They didn't after January the sixth. I know. He literally this is inspired a, a riot, and they didn't move away from him. Mika is going to give us a chance. We can redeem ourselves if we just simply renounce Trump right now. All the Republicans in the Republican Party supporting him, all of MAGA out there, this is our chance for redemption. All we have to do is renounce Donald Trump. We have to be mad at him. We have to tell everybody how bad it was that he waited too long to allow the government to come confiscate his personal property. And if we do that, then all is forgiven. They will say, hey, thank you. I didn't mean to call you a racist every day for eight years. I didn't mean to call you a science denier and a climate denier just because you were paying more attention to things like climate change and COVID and the vaccines. Yes, we accused you of rape and sexual assault and sexual harassment all throughout 2017 and 2018, but we only did that so that we could get those powerful men who wouldn't go along with the ESG regime out of their powerful organizations because we needed to replace them with black, non-binary, Muslim lesbians. 
Yes, we called you white supremacists and violent white supremacists at that. We blamed you and your racism for the riots we were sponsoring and organizing in 2020. And yeah, we called you Nazis while we were supporting Nazis in Ukraine. And yes, we said that all of you were telling the big lie just because you didn't believe Joe Biden got 81 million real lawful American votes. And yes, we accused you of trying to overthrow the entire country on January 6th. And we said that all of you should basically be censored and probably locked up for all time obviously tracked fully forever and probably not allowed to really participate in society because of that. But here's the offer. All of that stuff that we said, you know, we didn't really mean it. I mean, we don't even know what half those claims mean. They just told us to say it. And so we said it on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. And yeah, we said it in person. And yes, we shunned people and destroyed their reputations publicly, but we didn't mean it. None of that stuff is really important. Those are just like tactics. We just say those things about you because you'll say those things about us. And sure, we're lying about it. And, you know, yeah, fine. You guys can prove that these things are true, but you say them about us. That means we get to say them about you. It doesn't matter what's true and false. I mean, we're never going to look through that stuff and who cares, right? But we didn't mean it. We didn't mean all those things we said about you. They weren't that important. We are happy to just wipe them all away. If all of you will come to our side, here is your chance. We're giving you this chance. It's a one-time offer. <laughs> come on over to our side, renounce Donald Trump, and oh, you can be back in our good graces. We will even let you support Ron DeSantis and will not say that you're racist for like, I don't know what's fair. Uh, Two and a half weeks. Well, Mika, thank you very much for your very generous offer. I think that we are going to, we're going to say no. And we're going to laugh at you because the thing is, we don't want or need to be forgiven by you. We don't need to be welcomed back into your fold. We don't need the chance that you are offering. We actually like just telling the truth. And we like being America first. And we like looking out for other people who tell the truth and who are America first. In fact, we love it. We love it so much that we're just never going to stop doing that. And here's the kicker. Fewer people care about what you, Mika, think every single day. And as you lose people, we gain them because they realize, hey, you know, I kind of like telling the truth too. And I kind of like being America first and looking after the people in my life who share my values and want to see our country continue. Nobody wants your offer, Mika. And you should stop negotiating in public. All the people on your side can sense your desperation. What does it mean that you're three days into the first federal prosecution of a former president? And your central focus is on trying to encourage Republicans to stop supporting Donald Trump. That means it didn't work. And of course it didn't work. All you have to do is look at what happened over the weekend to understand why it didn't work. Donald Trump went out on Saturday 
after playing golf, after this indictment was announced, making his statements in response, he went out and played golf. And then on Saturday, he flew to Georgia for the Georgia GOP convention, spoke for about an hour and 15, maybe an hour and a half there, and then went to North Carolina for the North Carolina GOP convention, where he delivered another speech of the same length. Great energy, good humor, joking along, crowd loves him, laughs along with his America First audience, and we'll get into some of that speech a little later on because he said some really, truly interesting things. But all you have to do is put Trump's weekend up alongside the weekend had by Joe Biden and by Trump's main competition, Ron DeSantis. Well, what was Ron doing? Ron stood on the back of a pickup truck next to his wife and said a few things to a few people. And then he went somewhere else later in the day and said a few things to a few people. And he sweat through his shirt while whining about wokeness, telling everyone once again how Florida is where woke goes to die. And if you hire Ron DeSantis as president, he is going to fight wokeness on your behalf. Now, will he fight election fraud on your behalf? No, of course not. And why? Well, because the regime wants it and because liberals won't allow you to talk about election fraud without trying to punish you. And that's why people won't do it. They won't stand up for it. They don't want to be punished by their liberal friends. Their liberal friends will get mad at them. They'll call them conspiracy theorists. They'll tell them they're stupid. They will run through the list of all the reasons why they can't prove election fraud. Forgetting about the fact that there is absolutely no proof anywhere in the world that Joe Biden got 81 million real lawful American votes and they won't let anyone check. But nonetheless, we are supposed to trust the people who won't stand up when the country is usurped with standing up to the same liberals to get rid of the wokeness. And they will brag and brag every year or so when they have some great win at a school somewhere. Oh, we got DEI out of this school somewhere. Cheer us on. Look at how powerful we have become, all with the help of Ron D. Santis. Well, hey, did you uh, get that DEI cleaned out of uh, uh, all the schools? No. Okay. Well, is wokeness dead in Florida or is there still a lot of wokeness in Florida? Oh, there's still a lot. So he just talks about it on TV a lot, makes everybody believe that he's doing something, even though he's not doing something. And the real thing to do would actually be talking about election fraud so that we get legitimate Americans who want to do public service and want to represent American citizens in political office. We shouldn't talk about that, even though that would make sure that people putting these programs in place would never be in office in the first place. seems like that's what we should be focused on. Ron's not really going to do that. And it turns out that believing that people will stand up and be fighters when they have shown you that on the most important issues in our society, they absolutely will not stand up and be fighters is a very, very bad idea. So Ron gave his standard lackluster performance and proved once again that he is a man far too small for this moment. But that wasn't nearly as bad as Joe Biden, who was celebrating Gay Day on Saturday 
at the White House and he had a big gay party to let the entire country know how proud the fake president is of helping to turn our country gay and to let everyone out there know that our country is gay, to show the world, hey, look how gay the USA has become. He hung the LGBTQIA plus plus plus, including pedophiles flag from the White House, flanked by two American flags. So the gay pride flag has the prominent position on the White House between the American flags. The communists and the child brains will tell us this is not a big deal. They're just trying to get attention and shock people and making a little display of themselves as always. Pay them no mind. It's so silly. What are you going to get upset about the little flag thing? That's so silly. Come on. What are you just scared of gay people? Are you a homophobe? Is that what it is? You're scared. And it's like, ah, no, no, you know, I'm, I'm not scared of gay people. No, that doesn't make any sense. I've known gay people. Some of them are just lovely people. And uh, I'm not scared of them. No, that would be utterly insane, actually. But at the same time, I am a little bit concerned that a group, a population that in total represents what, uh, one or two or Three percent of America. Oh, I know now it's 25 percent of those young people. I get it. It's probably just natural. I understand. But a very small percentage of America and their flag is just right there hanging on the White House, because at any time in history, if a flag other than the flag of the ruling kingdom, for instance, or the government of a country, if any flag other than one of those two flags is hanging off the building where the seat of power is, that means that country has been defeated by whoever is hanging that flag. And considering that the gay agenda and the gender agenda are not contrary to popular belief, new in any way or American anyway, or started in the last century in any way. This is a long-term agenda that has cycled through as part of the playbook, just as it has everywhere else for thousands of years. And that agenda is pursued by the global regime and the ideology of the global regime as it has been passed down for years and centuries and millennia. And so when a flag like that representing part of the global regime's agenda is hoisted upon the White House, it does in fact look like the country has been defeated by that global regime. Now, thank goodness that Joe Biden is an illegitimate and fake president, so this can all be dealt with. But that was a flag of surrender from the fake president to the global regime. And the gay pride issue, the gay pride iconography is just cover. It's just a diversion. We are now representing fornication and sexual deviance as the highest possible good in our country and something that represents our country. It's not just a symbol. It's not just a little issue. It's not just let them have their fun. Now, I'm not worried that we're somehow going to be overrun. But it is important that we understand the agenda of the other side. 
Now, in comparison, you've got Donald Trump traveling around talking about the biggest issues in the world, all of them talking about what he's going to do when he comes back. And his agenda is pretty spectacular. Again, I've talked about this plenty of times. I've played a bunch of the video clips where he is laying out that agenda. If you go through and you see what he has in that 47 agenda, I imagine that all but the wokest and most deranged communists in our country will think, yeah, that does sound right. Yeah, that does sound like a good idea. Yeah, that does sound like an American promise of a better tomorrow. Now, people will say that Donald Trump is never going to get that done and that Donald Trump still sounds stupid while he's saying it and blah, blah, blah. And they'll complain about all those things. And that's fine. There are people who are like that. But the agenda is the agenda and the agenda is very good and very helpful. And he lays it out over and over again in all of these speeches. He talks about what he has actually done in the real world. He talks about what he's going to do on day one. And he talks about restoring America to greatness. At this point, Donald Trump is a towering figure in terms of seriousness and ability and resume to be president right now. He's the one in the arena. He's the one who's actually done the job and done it well. He kept this country safe and out of wars. He made our economy boom. He's the one who took on the woke left and exposed it for what it is. None of this stuff even happens without Donald Trump. And we're pretending that Ron D. Santis in the back of a pickup truck saying what his wife tells him to say, or Joe Biden hanging up a gay pride flag from the White House. We're pretending that that is serious. That's serious. Because Donald Trump, Donald Trump's the crazy guy. Donald Trump's the one who's not serious. Donald Trump's the one that doesn't act or talk the right way. So we need to go with sweaty pickup truck guy whose entire political persona is Donald Trump light. Or we go with the old demented pervert that hung the gay pride flag up from the White House. This isn't even a close contest. We have to pretend we have to listen to the mainstream media and imagine that everything they say is true to even believe any of it. Now, Donald Trump had a very interesting truth social post today. He wrote, now that the seal in quotes is broken, in addition to closing the border and removing all of the criminal in quotes elements that have illegally invaded our country, making America energy independent and even dominant again, and immediately ending the war between Russia and Ukraine, I will appoint a real special prosecutor, prosecutor in quotes, to go after the most corrupt president in the history of the USA, Joe Biden, the entire Biden crime family, and all others involved with the destruction of our elections, borders, and country itself. So is nothing happening? Is there going to be no accountability? Well, Donald Trump is guaranteeing that if he gets back into office, if he is once again publicly recognized as the president of the United States of America, he is going to appoint a real special prosecutor. Now, is Donald Trump just shooting off at the mouth again and implying that Jack Smith isn't a real special prosecutor just to undermine him, to delegitimize him? Is that what he's doing? Or is he saying something very real? Which parts of Joe Biden's fake and illegitimate administration are real and legitimate? 
I would suggest to you that zero parts of Joe Biden's administration are real or legitimate. But I know that's a lot for people to consider. That's a lot for people to just take on belief or take on faith. There is, of course, a way it can be proven true or false in the real world in the future. So it isn't something that people would always have to take on faith. And once you realize that, then you just understand that it is a matter of whether or not a certain set of facts leads you to a certain substantial level of belief. And once it has reached that point, it doesn't seem to be at all a belief taken on faith. It's a belief based on evidence as what the most likely outcome might be. It's not hopium. It's just information. It's just the reverse of when black-pilled people say that nothing is happening and they don't know anything about the things that are happening. If you inform yourself about the things that are happening, then you're more likely to draw the conclusion, oh yes, things are happening. Trump says that in his second term, a special counsel will be assigned to prosecute Biden and everyone else involved in the destruction of our elections our borders, and our country itself. Do you believe him or do you not? People are going to say that they don't. Oh, Donald Trump is just saying this now, but when he gets in office, he's not going to do it. As if it's not the people's responsibility to hold Donald Trump to account and make sure that he does do that. At least we have someone who says he's going to do that and actually take on the deep state. Ron DeSantis isn't out there doing that. He's not out there talking about that. He's being backed by elements of the deep state. And hey, maybe it's all kayfabe. Maybe, maybe. But the Bushes and the Paul Ryans and the Carl Roves of the world, they're not joking around in their support for him. They're not kayfabing their way through this. And neither are his supporters online. Joe Biden never talks about going after the deep state. He only talks about crushing Donald Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans. If you want accountability, all you have to do is go out and support Donald Trump and help push Donald Trump across the finish line, whatever that finish line looks like. And I'm not sure that it looks like a win of a rigged 2024 presidential election. It looks like a full awakening, a mass public awakening where the people finally understand what's been done to them and they take on the stance that many of us have taken over the last few years, which is to say We have seen what you have done, and we will not allow you to continue doing it, at least in our names. When we hit that critical mass, that's when change can come, and we need to push toward that. What we have is a lot of people who really don't care to try, but in the meantime, they will say that they are the ones taking everything really seriously, and that's why they're supporting someone other than Donald Trump. It's ridiculous. Now, on Friday afternoon, Jack Smith came out and gave a couple minutes long speech, his little announcement of these charges. And he said a lot of things about how the legal system in America works and equal application of justice under the law. And people noted that he seemed a little shaky, a little insecure, not too confident with the things that he was saying. Maybe he wasn't capable of rising to meet this moment. He certainly has a history of his own. And we might touch on some of that today, although I'm not sure we'll have time. But I want to play this. And as you listen, I want you to think about 
First of all, the episode I did last week talking about setting precedents and how all of this was going to set every precedent necessary so that Trump and so that America first, so that American patriots and so that an uncorrupted American government can actually pursue all of this political criminality and corruption. And I want you to think about Donald Trump's statement, that first sentence in the statement I just read on Truth Social, where he says, now that the seal has been broken, they have gone after him. They have indicted a former president. So the prior norms have been broken. Now that is something that is allowable in American society. Now, when that is turned around on them, they are not going to be able to complain about it because they've all been cheering it on. So with the idea about precedent setting in mind, with the understanding that they have now broken the seal, let's listen to how Jack Smith presented his indictment on Friday. Good afternoon. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws, as well as participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. This indictment was voted by a grand jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida, and I invite everyone to read it in full, to understand the scope and the gravity of the crimes charged. The men and women of the United States intelligence community and our armed forces dedicate their lives to protecting our nation and its people. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical to the safety and security of the United States, and they must be enforced. Violations of those laws put our country at risk. Adherence to the rule of law is a bedrock principle of the Department of Justice, and our nation's commitment to the rule of law sets an example for the world. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. Applying those laws, collecting facts, that's what determines the outcome of an investigation. Nothing more and nothing less. The prosecutors in my office are among the most talented and experienced in the Department of Justice. They have investigated this case hewing to the highest ethical standards, and they will continue to do so as this case proceeds. It's very important for me to note that the defendants in this case must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. To that end, my office will seek a speedy trial in this matter, consistent with the public interest and the rights of the accused. We very much look forward to presenting our case to a jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. In conclusion, I would like to thank the dedicated public servants of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, with whom my office is conducting this investigation and who work tirelessly every day upholding the rule of law in our country. I'm deeply proud to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Thank you very much. Okay, so what do we have here? What do we have here with our eyes and our mind on the idea of setting a precedent and now Jack Smith has broken the seal. What do we have? Well, we have a special prosecutor giving 
the sort of speech one would anticipate if the person giving the speech wanted to be taken seriously and was talking about how they had their eyes on the fairness of the process. It is very important that we only have one set of laws and that it applies to everyone. And now that's not even true. We have, I guess, kind of multiple sets of laws in this country. And that's part of what the main problem is right now. But he's laying down the speech you would expect him to lay down. He's certainly not going to say to the world, hey, the president who assigned me to this matter is illegitimate. Some of my prosecutors have attempted to bribe lawyers on the other side, and I've got something of a shady past myself. He's not going to say any of those things. He's going to say that the process was clean. It was fair. Everything was done according to the rule of law. And this is just where the evidence has led us to this indictment, this series of counts. We were not just trying to find a way to prosecute our political opponents. We just investigated. And this is where the facts led. He's laying it all down. He is creating a record for history. This is what special counsel Jack Smith said about the prosecution of Donald Trump. The first prosecution of a former president by the federal government in America's history. It's all got to be perfect for the historical record. You wouldn't want people looking back on this from the future saying, hey, what was going on with that Biden administration? They didn't really get 81 million real lawful American votes. But, you know, that sort of thing has happened in politics before they slide the wrong candidate in. I assume that the rest of what happened under his administration was probably just absolutely by the book. Perfect. So let's go back and look at some of it. Oh, look at this Jack Smith speech talking about how they really respected the rule of law and they really cared about the fairness of this process. And so he laid down this indictment. Turned out Trump was guilty about the whole thing. Jack Smith is a hero. We're going to make movies about this guy in the future. That's what they're doing now. They are laying down a future history. They are writing a script for the future. But let's look at that from the other direction, right? We can take things at their face value. As soon as we have understood what something is at its face value, the best thing to do is look for the exact opposite interpretation in every single way and see if the opposite interpretation maps onto reality. It is just a good mental exercise to expand your mind about the range of possibilities and to make sure that you are not just simply accepting the narrative as it was told to you, whether by the TV or by a friend of yours. And when you do that, you get a bit of a different picture. Now, somebody brought up an idea like this yesterday on Truth Social. So a little hat tip to Patriot Angel One, who wrote, if you listen to Smith's speech and imagine it being precedent for others, it's beautiful. And I thought that was rather funny having talked about precedents. And it's even funnier now having seen Donald Trump's truth post talking about breaking the seal. And so let's explore a couple interpretations of this idea. Now, there is the one interpretation, the white hats are in control interpretation. I don't think along those lines very often. I almost never say anything like that because I don't think it's a good mindset to assume that everything is under control all the time or that, for that matter, everything is kayfabe all the time. 
because both of those ideas have to have a limiting principle. It can't all be fake, can it? Everything in the entire world are my reactions and your reactions fake too. I can tell you that my reactions aren't fake. My reactions aren't scripted, at least insofar as I am able to exercise free will. But I'm not being told to say these things. So the kayfabe or the fakeness of all of it stops somewhere before me, or perhaps I just didn't recognize that it's everywhere else. And I think I'm being real, even though I'm not. We can go down those philosophical rabbit holes if we want. Looking at things from the white hats are in control perspective is fine. The same way that looking at things through the global regime is in control over everything all the time perspective is fine. I don't think that's right, but it's good that we look at things from that perspective, especially considering that so many people really believe that's the situation in real life. But we don't need to apply the white hats are in control perspective to understand how this speech can set precedent. Jack Smith was very careful to say all of the right things. And one would imagine that the people on Jack Smith's side wanting to see Donald Trump prosecuted are going to look at that speech and agree with every little bit of it. They are going to make the moral case for why that standpoint is correct. And then they will go through the indictment and try to use the indictment itself to prop up what Jack Smith is saying. That is a conversation that we can see happening in the media right now and online. They are saying that, of course, equal justice is applied in the United States of America. That's why they're going after Donald Trump, because these crimes are so serious that they don't have any other choice. No one is above the law. Donald Trump must be pursued. They don't care about any qualitative judgment of the charges themselves. They are accepting them as true, as written in the indictment, and then saying that because those charges are true, that is what makes this rise to the level of importance where a former president must be indicted. They're going to commit themselves to absolutely all of it, intellectually and morally. And so what does that mean for the future? They are writing a script for the future. That is what Jack Smith is doing right here. And that script can just as easily be turned around on them. I'm not saying that White Hats wrote his script. White Hats made him read that script and that script will be turned around on them in the future. I'm saying that script was written for particular reasons to make this case seem very serious, very fair and what must be done. And with that, another precedent is set and confirmed and committed to by the very people who this precedent will be used against in the future. People have required a standard of evidence so low to latch themselves onto this that it's actually unbelievable. It was the very same people saying that every claim of election fraud was a baseless claim. There was no evidence for any of that. These people have absolutely no idea what was in these documents. Some of them might be able to guess. Maybe they believe that these documents contain information about what is happening right now behind the scenes. Like, for instance, as John Harold Patel Patriot pointed out last week, the one count regarding an undated document about military contingency plans. But other than those vague descriptions, 
with their corresponding classification levels and a few pictures of boxes, one of them literally on a stage at Mar-a-Lago. There is no other evidence. A transcript of a conversation where Donald Trump was talking about plans, military plans that had been a secret. That is Donald Trump relaying classified information to a foreign country. Well, no, it's not. But do we have examples of that from Joe Biden, from Barack Obama, from Hillary Clinton? Well, yeah, we do. We have Joe Biden's dealings in Ukraine and elsewhere. You got to wonder what's up with Obama and the Iran deal or Obama and fast and furious arming Mexican cartels or maybe about Hillary and Uranium One or maybe about Hillary and Benghazi or Hillary and a million other things. They've told us that the standard for evidence is basically zero evidence. And on that evidence, their certitude about these charges is of a kind and at a level that justifies this entire prosecution. They've committed themselves to every little bit of this. And in the future, they're not even going to be taken seriously when they complain. So on Friday, in response to the news that this indictment was going to be released, Jim Jordan wrote a letter to the fake administration's attorney general, Merrick Garland. And here is that letter. Dear Attorney General Garland, The Biden Department of Justice is reportedly about to indict a former president and President Biden's chief rival in the upcoming presidential election. According to reports, the department will indict President Donald Trump, despite declining to indict former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for her mishandling of classified information and failing to indict President Biden for his mishandling of classified information. The indictment creates at the minimum a serious appearance of a double standard and a miscarriage of justice, an impression that is only strengthened by allegations that a Biden Justice Department lawyer, quote, inappropriately sought to pressure, end quote, a Trump affiliated lawyer with the prospect of a judgeship. Additional information recently obtained by the committee about the department's execution of a search warrant on President Trump's residence only reinforces our grave concerns that your reported actions are nothing more than a politically motivated prosecution. Now, here's where it gets interesting, and in my opinion, where it gets newsworthy. On June 7th, 2023, days before the reported indictment of former President Trump, the committee conducted a transcribed interview of Stephen D'Antuono. Mr. D'Antuono served as the former assistant director in charge of the FBI's Washington field office and one of the most senior FBI officials in charge of effectuating the unprecedented raid of President Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago. During his testimony, Mr. D'Antuono expressed strong concerns with the department's pursuit of the raid and noted several unusual features in the department's handling of the case. Mr. D'Antuono, who had over two decades of FBI experience, noted his frustration that The FBI was going to be left holding the bag again with respect to the search of President Trump's residence. And we'll continue with Dan Tuono in a second. But it's important to remember who Dan Tuono was. Revolver News did a ton of reporting on this within the last two years. But Dan Tuono was the guy at the Detroit field office who was involved with the kidnapping plot 
of Gretchen Whitmer and was then promoted to the Washington field office and was directly involved with J6. Now, it has seemed like Dan Tuono is a villain throughout this process. And by the way, he may well be. But regardless of that status, it seems like he is giving up the goods to Jim Jordan on what the FBI has been involved with. And Jim Jordan's letter gets into it. During his transcribed interview, Mr. Dantuono detailed how he disagreed with the Justice Department's approach to the raid and described several abnormalities about the department's actions in pursuing its investigation of President Trump. First, the Miami field office did not conduct the search. Mr. Dantuono testified that FBI headquarters made the decision to assign the execution of the search warrant to the Washington field office, despite the location of the search occurring in the territory of the Miami field office. Mr. Dantuono stated that he had absolutely no idea why this decision was made and questioned why the Miami field office was not taking the lead on this matter. Mr. Dantuono stated that the FBI, quote, learned a lot of stuff from the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, end quote. Notably, that the, quote, FBI headquarters does not work the investigation. It is supposed to be the field offices working the investigations. Mr. Dantuono indicated that his concern is that the DOJ was not following the same principles. In fact, as recently as May 2023, in response to the report of the special counsel, John Durham, the FBI asserted that, quote, investigations should be run out of the field, end quote, and not from Washington, D.C. Now, you might remember following the release of the Durham report, FBI Director Ray said that all of those problems had been dealt with and seemed to. They have new policies in place. Following the new policies is not going to lead to those old sorts of problems. And Bill Barr went out there and got his back on that. But it seems like the FBI has not learned their lesson, according to Dan Tuono. In fact, the timing suggests the FBI hadn't fixed these problems even as recently as August 2022. Number two, the department did not assign a U.S. attorney's office to the matter. According to Mr. Dan Tuono, it was unusual to not have a U.S. attorney assigned to an investigative matter, especially a matter of this magnitude. He explained that he, quote, didn't understand why there wasn't a U.S. attorney assigned and, quote, raised this concern a lot with department officials because it was out of the ordinary. Mr. Dantuono indicated that he, quote, never got a good answer and was told that the National Security Division would be handling this matter with Jay Bratt, who leads the department's counterintelligence division as the lead prosecutor on the case. Mr. Brad is the same department lawyer who allegedly improperly pressured a lawyer representing an employee of President Trump. Mr. Dantuono again noted his concern regarding lessons learned from Crossfire Hurricane that the Justice Department was not following the principle that, quote, headquarters does not work the investigation. Number three, the FBI did not first seek consent to effectuate the search. Mr. Dantuono recounted a meeting between FBI and department officials during which the department assertively pushed for the FBI to promptly execute the search warrant. Based on his over 20-year tenure at the FBI, Mr. Dantuono testified that he believed that the FBI, prior to resorting to a search warrant, 
should have sought consent to search the premises. He testified that this outcome would be, quote, the best thing for all parties involved, for the FBI, for former President Trump, and for the country. Mr. Dantuono indicated a belief that either you, that's Merrick Garland, or Christopher Wray made the decision to seek a search warrant despite opposition from the line agents working this case in the Washington field office. Following that meeting, Mr. Dantuono described how Justice Department counterintelligence official George Toscus, who also reportedly worked on the Crossfire Hurricane and Clinton email investigations, told him that FBI agents were ready to execute the warrant. Mr. Dantuono pushed back on the department for trying to unilaterally allocate FBI resources. So this goes on, by the way, and I'm going to get to it in a second, but just to pause, look at how in-depth this already is. So Stephen Dantuono, the guy who was at the Detroit field office in Michigan during and, you know, centrally involved in the plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and the investigation into that plot. Then he goes down to the Washington field office. He's in Washington for J6. In those months between the Whitmer kidnapping plot being announced, that was October 2020 and January 2021. In those three or so months, Dantuono was moved from Detroit to Washington, D.C. Now he's involved and has intimate knowledge of the Mar-a-Lago raid. And he's coming out and saying that the FBI did not follow their own procedures that they had decided on post Durham investigation, realizing how many problems there were at the FBI that allowed that situation to progress the way it did. And now he's talking about a Justice Department counterintelligence official named George Toscus, who was involved in Crossfire Hurricane and the Clinton email investigation. And now he's right up in the middle of this alongside, by the way, FBI and Justice Department counterintelligence official Jay Bratt. So it kind of sounds like something's going wrong with the FBI and DOJ counterintelligence people. Number four, the FBI refused to wait for President Trump's attorney to be present before executing the search. Mr. Dantuono testified that the FBI sought to exclude President Trump's attorney from the search, a move with which Mr. Dantuono disagreed. Mr. Dantuono believed that the FBI should have worked with the attorney to get consent to search the residence prior to seeking a warrant for the search. Mr. Dantuono believes that, quote, there was a good likelihood that they could have gotten consent. So he's saying that had the FBI simply asked Donald Trump and his attorneys and had the attorneys present, they could have conducted the search likely without issue. And that is an especially interesting assertion when so much of these current charges rely on the fact that Donald Trump was, as they claim, obstructing and conspiring to obstruct. This is an FBI official saying that Trump and his people would have let the FBI come down and search the premises if they had simply asked. That's awfully hard to square with the claim that Donald Trump was obstructing. But let's close out this Jim Jordan letter. Naturally, he relays to Garland that they have sought information before. That information has not been relayed. So they are going to ask for more information and reassert their claims. 
So here's what he is asking for. One, all documents and communications referring or relating to meetings between FBI and Justice Department officials prior to the execution of the search warrant on President Trump's private residence. He wants to know how it was they decided to execute the search warrant rather than communicating. All documents and communications referring or relating to the execution of a search warrant on President Trump's private residence, including those sent or received by the following FBI and Justice Department officials, Paul Abate or Abate, maybe Matthew Olson, Jay Bratt, George Toskis and Stephen D'Antuono himself. And three, all documents and communications between or among the Washington field office agents and employees and the U.S. Secret Service about a potential search of President Trump's residence. So was anyone at the FBI, the Washington field office, were they in communication with the Secret Service or the Secret Service agents at Mar-a-Lago about coming down to search the premises? Now, is it coincidence that Stephen D'Antuono had intimate personal knowledge and experience with the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot, which was like a preview for J6 in certain aspects, then intimate and personal knowledge from the Washington field office of J6 itself, and then intimate and personal knowledge of the raid on Mar-a-Lago. I would strongly doubt that that is a coincidence. I imagine we're going to hear more from Dan Tuono in the future, and it might change our view on who Dan Tuono was and what he represents, what his role was in all of this. It seems like maybe he had eyes and ears on a lot of FBI malfeasance. And I'll be interested to find out if he has more to disclose along those lines. So as I said, Revolver News has done great coverage on Dan Tuono in the past. And Darren Beatty dropped an article on Saturday about this in the new Jordan letter and Dan Tuono's testimony. That article, if you want to check it out on Revolver.News, is top FBI official and J6 Fedsurrection hatchet man objects to Mar-a-Lago raid raises five key objections in bombshell letter. And you can find that in the info stream on Telegram as well. I'm going to go ahead and post that. The new info stream, if you're not familiar with it, is t.me slash very reasonable. Now, another name has been pretty prominent over the weekend, and that name is Norm Eisen. He is a man that revolver.news has spent a lot of time on as well. In fact, one of the kind of seminal articles explaining what was going on in America in 2020 was from Revolver News, Darren Beatty, and it was this, September 9th, 2020, meet Norm Eisen, legal hatchet man and central operative in the color revolution against President Trump. Well, Norm Eisen is back out there and has a prominent role in this documents issue. A couple of weeks ago on a website called justsecurity.com, this is June 2nd, 2023. I posted this in the info stream and on Twitter as well, but they're presenting what they call a model prosecution memo for Trump classified documents. Okay. This is compiled by among others, Norm Eisen himself 
and Andrew Weissman, who is a regular on MSNBC and one of the villains of the Russiagate and Mueller episodes. He's also the puny dork with the annoying voice who I highlighted last week. He was very certain that Trump would be indicted. So this group of people wrote a 186 page long memo about how they could prosecute Donald Trump on this documents issue. It's basically a white paper saying, here's how you can get Trump legally. And Norm Eisen, by the way, doesn't back down from any of this. He's very public with the fact that he is doing this and that he thinks it's good. He spent the weekend out there clamoring for Judge Cannon to recuse herself from Trump's case because he claims that she has demonstrated favoritism toward Trump in her past decisions and that her bias is so clear that it caused a case to be overturned. Yesterday on Twitter, he said, I helped write the rules on classified document handling that the Trump indictment cited. So I know Trump's defenses will fail as I explained at CNN opinion, and he links to an article with this headline by him. I wrote the declassification rules and they leave Trump largely defenseless. So Norm Eisen believes that he is the final authority on how things must be and can be declassified and then how those documents are supposed to be handled. It's not the Constitution. It's not the Presidential Records Act. Donald Trump has to do what Norm Eisen has decided he must do. I just want to highlight a couple of things here. He starts out saying, when I was serving as then President Barack Obama's special counsel for ethics and government reform, I helped write Executive Order 13526, which reformed the classification system for national security documents. The executive order brought needed clarity by articulating more uniform rules for classification and declassification in place of what had, over many years, grown into a tangled mess. When former President Donald Trump took office in 2017, he left the rules in place. That will surely come back to haunt him in the classified documents probe. Indeed, special counsel Jack Smith repeatedly cited this executive order in the recently unsealed federal indictment, which implicates both Trump and his aide, Walt Nauta, who has been charged as a co-conspirator. So Norm Eisen himself, the author of Color Revolutions, the author of Color Revolution scripts, like how the Color Revolution will proceed. Norm Eisen has his hands in all of that stuff, including, by the way, in the Transition Integrity Project, which was their little program about how they were going to fortify the outcome of the 2020 election and make sure that Joe Biden was the winner. He's the guy that wrote the executive order and the rules on classified material that they are now going to prosecute Trump under. Isn't that an incredible coincidence? He's very, very proud of it. He says later on, the problem for Trump is that EO 13526 is central to knocking down every variation of his defense that his retention of documents was somehow authorized. It sets up a declassification process that applies to everyone, even the president. And it says nothing about automatic presidential declassification. 
So Norm Eisen wrote the executive order. This executive order overrides everything he says. Trump's claims that the Presidential Records Act justifies his behavior doesn't pass muster because that statute doesn't actually have anything to do with the critical question of whether his possession of these documents was authorized. The executive order covers that. Yet Trump and his legal team claim that the PRA applies, arguing that the PRA, which provides in general terms for the handling of government documents by ex-presidents, allows Trump to decide unilaterally if any document is personal and thus legally hold on to it. He says that Trump's position ignores the actual law that applies, the executive order. As he rounds this out, he says that the Biden document issue and the Pence document issue, well, those things are just fine because both of them took full responsibility and they handed their documents back over to the government. So therefore, everything is fine. It was obviously an accident, whereas Trump tried to prevent the government from getting them. And according to the executive order, he wrote, that means absolutely everything. He concludes this way. In each of his defenses, Trump is running up against the core American idea that no one, not even an ex-president, is above the law. The classification system and the declassification rules represented by our executive order are a central part of the legal limits that apply here, making this indictment the greatest legal danger yet for the former president. It is one that he could have perhaps avoided if he had studied the order a little more closely and followed it. So Norm Eisen, author of Color Revolution playbooks, literally the guy who figures out the script and how everything is going to go so they can infiltrate, destabilize and take over countries. That's the guy that wrote the executive order that they're now going after Trump for. Amazing coincidence, by the way. Do you think that this is going to end up? with the courts deciding that that executive order does not, in fact, override the Constitution and that Donald Trump isn't actually in any trouble at all? It seems like that's almost definitely what will happen. Why don't people like Norm Eisen know about that or care? Well, it's because people like Norm Eisen devote their lives to making sure that the Constitution of the United States of America does not apply. That is the whole point of the infiltration and the changes in our government, the writing of all these rules, the continued expansion of government, especially in a system like the U.S. Constitutional Republic that we have, a system that was designed to prevent this sort of infiltration, this sort of undermining and destabilizing and takeover. It's going to take them a little longer in a system like this. They have to create all sorts of processes that are brand new so that they can work outside of the normal processes. This is what Norm Eisen exists to do. And I feel like we will be talking about him probably a lot more in the future. Now, finally, I want to play a little clip from one of Trump's speeches on Saturday. He says this is the final battle. It seems like maybe we are entering the last stage of all of this. Will Trump get arrested? Will we see mug shots? Will we see handcuffs? Hey, maybe. And maybe it's not this one. Maybe it's the Fannie Willis thing. If that's what the country needs to see, then I guess we're going to have to see it. If Trump is forced to run for re-election and win from prison, well, then that's what we're going to have to do. And it seems like Americans are willing to support that. 
A poll from CBS News over the weekend was posted yesterday on Twitter, and these are likely Republican voters. 61% of respondents say that the Trump indictment does not change their views about Trump. 76% say that the indictment is politically motivated. That's three out of every four people. And 80% say that Trump should be able to be president, even if he is convicted over these classified documents. So Republican voters know this is nonsense. They don't care. It doesn't change their views about Trump. They will vote for Trump, even if they have to do it with Donald Trump in prison. This issue doesn't matter. 80% of Republicans saying that. So far, this is not hurting Trump at all. If anything, it is elevating Trump in the minds of the American public. Even Democrats can now see that everyone is scared of Donald Trump and they are trying to take him off the field by any means possible. They're not concerned with free and fair elections. They're not concerned with democracy. They just want to hold on to power and they are willing to admit that America is a banana republic now in order to do it. But Trump is saying we are in the final phase. The battle might not be two days long or 10 days long or three months long. It might take us another 17 months, but the seal has been broken. And this is where we are. We are a failing nation. We are a nation in decline. And now these radical left lunatics want to interfere with our elections by using law enforcement. It's totally corrupt and we can't let it happen. This is the final battle with you at my side. We will demolish the deep state. We will expel the warmongers from our government. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists. We will throw off the sick political class that hates our country. We will roll out the fake news media. We will expose the rhinos for what they are. We will defeat Joe Biden and we will liberate America from these villains once and for all. We will liberate. We're going to liberate our country. And that's what it is. We got to get rid of these communists. This is the final battle. They have broken the seal. Precedent has been set. They have committed publicly to the rules. They have painted the lines on the field. So now game on. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range.
It's high noon! In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!